0: Just, we'll pray together. Father, thank you for your holy word. Thank you that you've spoken to your people through it, down the centuries. And we ask that as we gather around it now, that you would speak to us afresh. And we ask this in the precious name of Jesus and in the power of your spirit. Amen. Have you ever been given good advice by somebody who knows less about what you're doing than you do? Have you ever had that situation where you are uh, undertaking a task of some kind and um, someone comes along yeah, that's good. Uh, and they know less about it than you do but it doesn't stop them giving you good advice? Uh, whether it's uh, perhaps cooking in the kitchen, perhaps over Christmas, and uh, somebody who has never done it before comes and tells you, why don't you do that? And um, there's uh, you might want to pick up an onion and sort of... Put it in their mouth or something, but, um, or, or, or DIY if you're, do, if you, if it's, or decorating. You know, if you're doing something and someone comes along and says, "Well, oh, why do you do it that way?" Um, or, or, or we often do it with. I I'll say this gently because I come from an educational family, but we often do it with teachers, don't we? Teachers who are working hard and doing all their stuff, and then we stroll in and say, "Oh, have you thought about doing it that way?" And they. It depends where they are in the term, actually. My parents were teachers, okay? He never said that to them in the, towards the end of term because they were slightly wild eyes. But anyway, good advice given by people who know less than the person who's doing it. We get that in the story this morning. Jesus has borrowed these boats, or one of them, and he's sitting in the boat teaching, as rabbis do. They sit to teach. And uh, at the end of it, uh, he says to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now we just need to remember the roles in this story. Jesus is, we assume, a carpenter. Uh, his his father was, uh, and uh, as most Jewish boys were brought up with the same skill of their father, it would appear that he would have been a carpenter turned rabbi, carpenter turned rabbi, definitely not a fisherman. So he then turns to the fisherman and says, "Put out into deep water, and let down the nets for a catch." And I may be reading a bit too much into this, but but I think you can hear the frustration. In Peter, in Simon's voice, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Okay? Mind your own business. Okay? We know what we're doing. We've been out all night. That's when you go fishing, not during the day because they hide from the sun. They go down deep. It's harder to catch them. Master, we know what we're doing. But because you say so, okay? Have you ever done that? I'm going to do this and show them that they're wrong. Okay? I'm, go- I'm, going to do- I'm going to go this way even though I know we're going to get lost. Okay? Never done that. Okay? I'm going to- you know, we're going to do it, and I'm going to show you. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now, you can imagine the chuntering. Can't you? <laughs> and, and down the nets go. And down the nets go. And because we know this story, We are not surprised. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. And in fact, more than that, they signal to their partners. It would appear to be Simon and Andrew and James and John. They work together and here both boats, both boats are filled so deep that they begin to sink. Jesus' words to Simon are words of invitation. They ask him, will you put out into the deep water? Will you let down? As so often they are, they are an invitation to trust, to see what happens, to undertake something when you don't quite know where it will lead. Simon does it grudgingly or otherwise, and then the miracle happens. And as I say, because we are familiar with the story, we perhaps miss the beauty and the power of this moment. I don't know if you've... um, I've seen it dramatized ever, and uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful scene to see dramatized in a, in a film or television production uh, because uh, the, the boats begin to behave uh, as boats shouldn't behave as, as they begin to go down with all these fish flopping around uh, inside them. And of course, after the miracle, or when the miracle has happened, Peter then faces a question Does he look at the fish, or does he look at the one who's given the fish? Does he look at the financial windfall, or does he look at Jesus? The blessing or the source of the blessing? You see, Peter could have stopped with the fish, couldn't he? He could have stopped with the fish. He could simply have said, look, here's lots of money, I can clear some debts, I can uh, perhaps uh, buy a new boat, I can just stay with the fish. But uh, Peter is a man who we know has moments of clarity, moments when he can see past what is happening to what is happening underneath We know it when uh, he says, you are the Messiah. When Jesus asks, who do people say that I am? We know it actually when he denies Jesus three times. He knows what he has done. And here he can see. He can see past the fish. And he sees to Jesus. And he falls on his knees And asks for mercy there is in these words a recognition that Jesus is more than just the master he he addressed him as earlier here he is Lord go away from me Lord I am a sinful man and then Jesus words of reassurance don't be afraid from now on You will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. An invitation, a miracle, a realization, a reassurance, and an invitation. All these things happen within this story. And at the beginning of this new year, my question to you is very simple. If Jesus were to say to you, launch out into the deep, what would it mean? Where would it be? What would it be that Jesus invites you into? What is your deep. Now, it's important to remember, for Simon, there were really good reasons for not going into the deep. We've worked hard all night. This isn't going to work. We've tried it before. This is the wrong time. You don't know what you're talking about. Loads and loads of good reasons for not going out into the deep at the invitation of Jesus. And had he listened to any one of those reasons, he would have missed this moment, missed this miracle. Now, please don't uh, misunderstand me. I'm not saying that, that Jesus would have given up on Peter. He didn't. He doesn't. He never does. Right at the end of the Gospels, in John chapter 21, you see Jesus still not giving up on Peter. He doesn't give up on him, okay? So I'm not saying that this is a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. When Jesus is interested in us, he has a habit of keeping calling us. But at the beginning of this new year, what might be your deep? Might there be something you want to break, a habit, something that you do which you know makes you less than you want to be, and you've tried and tried to break it, to give it to God, to leave it behind? Is there something that you would love to do which is outside the story which you tell yourself about yourself? I can't do that because I'm not that sort of person. That's beyond me. That's not me. That's for other people. Might he say, launch out into the deep? Might it be something at church? Might there be something that you have never thought that you could do? That in this new year, he invites you to do. Might you be the person to stand at the door and welcome the people of God into worship? And you might be sitting there thinking, he wants people on his rotors. I'm not interested in rotors. What I am interested in is what is the deep for you? Might it be serving tea and coffee? I can't serve tea and coffee. If it gets more than about six people, I get really stressed about tea and coffee, okay? We've got six people coming to our house tomorrow morning. I'm really worried about it. I've been worried about it for about two weeks. I can't do it. Launch out into the deep to sing, to play, to teach. Might it be a relationship A relationship which has gone wrong and which needs mending, but is too hard, too painful, too difficult. Launch out into the deep. In your place of work, might it be a relationship, a role, a task, a person? You see, it is a bit scary and as I've mentioned, there is always a good reason not to do it. Following Jesus does have costs. There was a cost to Simon at the start of the story. I don't want to go out there again, thank you. And there is an even bigger cost at the end of the story. Because they pull their boats up on the shore, leave everything and follow him. There is a cost to following jesus but as the story unfolds this one and the story of the gospel and the story of the church as it has extended across the world and across history there are far bigger things we might lose if we don't if we don't step into this part of what he is inviting us to do You see, it's in the deep that we see the miracles. It's where we can't put our feet down, where we don't want to be, where we feel things are too difficult. That's where God has a wonderful habit of turning up and doing remarkable things. And if you're sitting there thinking, yeah, yeah, Tom, that's all very well, I I'm risk-averse, okay? I don't like taking risks, okay? can I tell you, early on in our married life, we went to the bank together, okay, Joe and I, and we, I don't, can't remember why, we went to this bank and we sat there, and the person across the desk said to us, on a scale of one to ten, when it comes to money, how, how, how much risk do you like? And we didn't know this question was coming, okay? And we looked at each other, and we looked back at him, and we both said, simultaneously, one like that okay. okay i do not naturally take don't like taking risks what's it all about might fall off the lord is gentle and trusting and patient and he invites us if you're thinking i can't go out there but i can go there I can take the next one, and I will trust that you will catch me if I take the next one." As a church, how might we launch out into the deep? In a couple of months um, our church will be restored, we'll be back uh, to something approaching normality as we go back how might the Lord say to us come on let's go out into the deep together where things aren't entirely familiar and things aren't entirely safe and let's love and serve and worship and do all the things that we are called to do as a church we have a PCC day away next Saturday be really grateful for your prayers how might the lord lead us into this next stage of our life and you know we live in a world don't we that is frightening and violent when you look at television screens or the internet the horrors of gaza the ongoing horrors of ukraine the smouldering conflicts in Yemen and Somalia and Sudan, not to mention those still struggling with the effects of flooding or earthquakes. Our world is not a loving place. Might the deep, might the deep for us, in our church, be to learn how to love one another? And might the deep in our church be to learn to love one another and to learn to love those with whom we don't agree? There's an evangelist called uh, J. John, which I'm sure many of you will have heard of, a a lovely man who has spent the last 40 years proclaiming the gospel. And he wrote a piece about 12 months ago, um, and I just wanted to, to, to quote something from that piece. He said, in what we say and what we do as a church, I lament the loss of the cheerful, pleasant Gracious and appealing mood that was summed up in the now rare word winsome. The harsh mood of our world is one in which you put yourself first, shut down opposing views, and if necessary, engage in preemptive public revenge. Sadly, I sense this ugly, shrill mood creeping into the church. Disputes are unavoidable where truth matters and they have occurred throughout the history of Christianity. Yet they must be conducted with truth and grace and concluded with forgiveness. I long for more grace and charm in what we do in the church and in how we present ourselves to the world. A failure to show even a modest level of love is a denial of who we are in Christ. The vision of a community of people who don't agree, but who do love. Has our world ever needed that more? And would there be anything more attractive than that? A group of people who don't always agree, but who do always love. If we want to launch out into the deep, to be the people of God in this place, to witness to our community where so many people seem already have made, to have made their mind up about who Jesus is, might the deep be for us to love one another? Not in a gooey way. I'm not a gooey person. To love each other deeply, profoundly, as Jesus loves us. So, this story, launch out into the deep. There are always good reasons for not going there. But when you go there, you may well find that Jesus turns up and does something life-changing. Amen.